Milkman. Milkman. Outlet. I'm an illegitimate child. Illegitimate sauce. child. Purse. Large avian. Don't give a letter. Sesame Street. Hello and welcome back to Interschnitzel, the only podcast that dissects, dissects the best of the internet from the last week. Uh, we've been gone a couple of weeks. Sorry, we were busy trying to find Colin's dignity. Oh, oh, come on. Jeez. Is NBC blurring the lines between news and ads? Can Dig make a comeback? Should we turn off our work email after we leave the office? I think I know the answer to that one. And here to discuss these stories, as always, is Vitro's resident Hawaiian shirt aficionado, Colin oh, Murphy. Wow. What? Okay. Well, it looks good. It looks good on me. What can I say? It you looks do good. look fantastic. It also here good. this week is PBS's Jim Lehrer to moderate our sometimes heated conversation. Fortunately, he probably won't be saying anything. Oh, Relevant man. joke. Oh, zing. Relevant oh, wow. Just stop trolling him. Good <laughs> gosh. And, Sorry. Well, and as we learned this week, Mr. Van Hoven, trolls have seen their day, and the Ooh. internet is striking back. Yeah, trolls. Yeah. This week, <laughs> we read the story of a man whose friend's son was trolling him, threatening his family, and that one ended with a positive twist another story we actually found was that of a young woman who was pranked by the mean kids in her high school they signed her up to be homecoming queen as a joke and when the girls town found out about it they rallied behind her providing her everything she needed to be a homecoming queen such a nice beautiful story i think that might be a next disney movie finally (laughs) There was the story of a Sikh woman whose photo was posted on Reddit making fun of her ample facial hair. The woman (laughs) found out. That's not funny, Matt. Stop. Sorry. Sorry. The woman found out she was being trolled and offered the most eloquent response we've ever read. And I think it was probably directed directly at you, Mr. Van Hoven, Hmm. putting the troll to shame. So this week, might I declare humanity one? It has been declared. Uh... (laughs) It was a good week, and uh, those stories are all in this week's uh, in, uh, sorry nerd letters. So go back and check those ones out if you haven't already, uh, because it really was uplifting. I thought mm, um, I agree. So one thing we mentioned in the top of the show was uh, the story. One of the stories you guys liked a lot uh, about people turning off their email mm. uh, after work hours. So there was a company that did this over the Labor Day weekend, and they like did it as a little experiment, and everyone loved it. Um, the piece really hit me because it fits into this larger trend we're seeing of people pulling away from technology. So not only are they enjoying their free time more, like not only so they can enjoy their free time more, but also while uh, people are at work, they want to be able to focus more. So we're seeing these trends pop up here and there. So like Colin, when was the last time you started a task and finished it without being distracted by like an email or like an instant message or something? Or a video of a monkey riding a pig. God damn it, baby monkey. Get out of here. Get out of here. Stupid Get, baby monkey. Stop distracting us. I can't. <laughs> Little shout out to Laura Ferguson, who's not listening to this. But she showed us that video, and now I'm addicted to it, and that pig <laughs> comes out of nowhere. I love baby monkey. Oh. So this problem back. is pretty pervasive, we can agree, <laughs> right? So like to the point that they've developed apps now to keep you from answering your phone during dinner. There's hotels that like take your laptop from you when you check in so you can just so you can disconnect and like focus accomplish whatever goals you need to accomplish even if that's just like 
reading a book for a while because technology is so extremely distracting these days. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. I completely agree. And I think there actually is an interesting thing here. And there has been obviously research about this theory of distraction and how technology has put us in this perpetual state of jumping from task to task. And uh, I read this in a Harvard Business Review article. It was called The Magic of Doing One Thing at a Time. Hat tip to Jacob Wick for sending us that article and living true to it as he tries to. And um, I, f- I think that this affects our personal, our professional life and the quality of getting things done, obviously, but also our personal life. I mean, it just distracts us from enjoying our social lives and, you know, little Jimmy's soccer game when you should be hanging out with your family. I mean, poor little Jimmy. <laughs> Dad's on the sidelines sending emails. Can't even watch a damn goal get scored. He's depressed out there, man. He's just like standing there sad. No, but I mean, seriously, there is a, there is like a bigger trend here too, that I think this, this fits nicely into, yeah. uh, it's like the, you know, and actually it ties in cause last weekend was uh, maker fair, mm. uh, in, in New York and it, maker fair is really a place where people that make things by hand, uh, come together. And so this maker movement is becoming bigger. Uh, and I think it's a sign that people are tapping into this nostalgia idea. I mean, even Colin, you were saying earlier, Buzzfeed has a nostalgia feed yeah. on their website. I mean, this idea of like the way things were. Um, in today's hyperactive world uh, is becoming really a popular thing. And so people are tapping into that emotion. They're turning their uh, personal, they're quitting their jobs and turning their careers into things that make them happier Mm. than just a desk job. So Mm. it's, you know, turning off your phone uh, allows you to, you know, whittle that table leg a little bit better. um, I think than when, when you're at work, you just can't do that when you have a desk job. So to me, this indicates that we're starting to shirk technology a little bit uh, technology for technology's sake in favor of doing things that matter a little bit more to us. So mm. spending time with family and friends, building things by hand, or even more simply just focusing on one thing at a time. And it might be paying off. Yeah, I hope it is. I think it is. So yeah. it's interesting. Spe- speaking of paying off, some news Ooh. that just came out this morning. Uh, the U.S. <laughs> added 114,000 jobs in September. Let's give a little slow clap for yeah. whoever the hell got a Hooray job. Hooray, America. That's Hooray, America. Absolutely. So that brings the unemployment rate down from 7.8%. Uh, sorry, to seven point eight percent from eight point one. So back when I studied econ, like a thousand years ago, uh, <laughs> the common understanding was that a healthy unemployment rate was somewhere around like five percent. Uh, so we've got a ways to go, but things are definitely looking up. Question mark. And speaking of uh, other things that are happening, NBC News is uh, got in a little bit of trouble this week for a story. Um, Media Post published a piece called NBC News Plans to Launch Ads That Blur the Lines Between Editorial and Brand Content. Now, there's a little bit of confusion here, so we wanted to talk, take a second and talk about this. NBC unveiled a new demographic te- taxonomy, so i.e. they changed like women from age 15 to 25. They've, they're now calling those groups like Always On or Skimmers or Veterans, Reporters, all this stuff. So in, in our opinion, like you don't want to talk about this publicly because no one likes to hear that they're being explicitly defined. It's not a good thing. Even though we do this behind the curtain in ad agencies like all the time, this is very common. Mm. You don't want to talk about this, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, you, you don't want to tell people like, hey, here's where you fit into our structure. Yeah, no one likes that. No one likes no, that. No, <laughs> absolutely. So that's one thing that they did that was a little weird. The other thing is that they offered up this idea that they're blurring the lines between ads and editorial. Um, now, they came out and sort of clarified this, saying, um, quote, we're creating ad experiences that are relevant to consumers and advertisers based on context, but there is no blurring of lines when it comes to editorial content. That is completely separate and standalone from advertising and branding. 
as it has always been and always will be. So kind of a distinction here being made. They're saying all we're doing is tailoring content to the groups of people that we think are most interested in NBC's content, right? Yeah, I mean, well, they came. Uh, this is obviously a little bit of a, d- a defense mechanism for themselves right. and this and trying to correct this report. But is it really a bad thing? I mean, I'm not one to believe in sneaking in advertising by people and it should it should be openly tagged and it should not violate, you know, the laws of advertising versus content. But I do like the idea of blending the line between advertising and editorial content. I don't think NBC should come to a defense at that. I'd rather read an advertorial of a writer's review of a product injected with pros and cons about the product over an interactive rich media ad placement. I mean, there are also currently things that they do within news outlets as well. I mean, if you look at the Today Show, half of those things are media placements within their time slots. And, you know, they already do these things. So to come to the defense that we are not blurring the lines between editorial conversations content and advertising i think that you know they should be doing those things but explicitly defining that this is advertising does that make sense yes i and i think i see what you're saying you're saying that you'd rather read an advertorial for example than like a a banner ad or some sort of like pop-up thing or like some whatever so i think nbc is getting defensive to your point because they don't want to be seen as crossing the line between news and ads okay so there's a little bit of a difference there, okay. and it is a little bit tricky because really what they're doing now is sort of tailoring content for readers, which they should always be doing. You should always be thinking about what your readers want mm. versus like a hard news outfit, which is going to say, this is what happened. Take it or leave it. Okay. Um, so it's a little bit of a uh, of a weird territory, but I think this is worth reading into and seeing what NBC's got going forward. Yeah, so, should be interesting. Um, you know what today is? What is today? It's, today is one year since Steve Jobs died. Oh, RIP, man. One of the best yeah. men, one of the greatest Americans ever lived. Um, and just in time for that anniversary, some uh, someone unearthed a lost speech that he gave on June 15th, 1983, before either of us was born. <laughs> uh, he gave this speech at the International Design Conference in Aspen. Yes. And it was called... <laughs> <laughs> Where the beer flows like wine and women instinctively flock like the salmon of Capistrano. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> I'm Dumb sorry. and Dumber is still relevant. <laughs> this is a really serious conversation. I just wanted to lighten the mood a little. <laughs> uh, no, I appreciate that. Well, anyway, so the the speech was entitled, The Future Isn't What It Used to Be. And in it, Jobs describes not only the iPad, but an, also an interesting experiment that was run by MIT Labs at the time that he, think, that he thought, rather, would be important down the road. Take a listen. A neat experiment happened right here in Aspen. Uh, MIT came out to Aspen about four or five years, I think about four years ago, and they had this truck with this camera on it, and they went down every single street, photographed every single intersection in every single street in Aspen. They photographed all the buildings, and they've got this computer and this video disc hooked up together, and on the screen, you see yourself looking down a street, and you can touch the screen, and there's some arrows on the screen, and you can touch walk forward, and all of a sudden, it's just like you're walking forward in the street. And you get to an intersection and you can stop and you can look right and you can look straight and you can look left and you can decide which way you want to go. You can even go in some of the shops. It's an electronic map that gives you the feeling you're walking through Aspen. Then there's four little buttons in the corner because they came back and they did exactly the same thing all four seasons. So you can be looking down a street, hit winter, all of a sudden you get the same street with three feet of snow on it. It's really amazing. That's not incredibly useful, but it points... It points to some of the interactive 
nature of this new medium, which is just starting to break out from movies, and it's going to take another five to ten years to evolve. Colin, okay, so that was neat, right? Can you think of a tool that we commonly use today that MIT may have stumbled <laughs> on or thought of like 30 years ago? Obviously, it's Google Maps. Yo. <laughs> oh, thanks for that underhand pitch, Matt. Make me look <laughs> smart, I guess. <laughs> But I also quite find it fitting that uh, this speech, on a separate note, that this speech uh, came out right before the 1984 commercial, the famous 1984 commercial, where I guess the tagline was, let's make 1984 not be or act like 1984. And it was referencing the new Mac that was coming out. And that was obviously a milestone in Apple's brand as a company. And tailoring, you know, Steve Jobs is always thinking about not just their products, but the future as a whole. And that's what people value a lot about Steve Jobs and what he gave, what, what Apple was about as well. Yeah, I mean, and I would really recommend going back to this week's uh, newsletters and finding this piece. Yeah. Uh, it, it was amazing. And actually, you know what? It's going to be in the SoundCloud uh, comment link area. So just, just look there for it. Yeah. Um, it's incredibly interesting how far ahead Steve was 30 years ago. Mm. Um, and it's even more relevant when you consider now <laughs> that the new iPhone 5 doesn't include Google Maps anymore. <laughs> That's got to be a little bit awkward for the kids over at Apple. But uh, regardless, download that uh, podcast or that, that tape and uh, give it a listen. It's about an hour, but it's really, really worth listening to. And Steve is such a smart guy. It's, it's always good to have uh, new stuff from him. And speaking of new old stuff. Ooh, good one. Dig is back, baby. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Uh, this is a story <laughs> you'll find in today's newsletter, but uh, Colin, I believe you've got more for us. Well, yeah, and it's actually part of a larger trend that I'm starting to see happen on the Internet. And I don't know if it's just because it's Halloween, but websites are being resurrected from the grave. Ooh. <laughs> I'm talking about MySpace and Dig, but mostly Dig due to this article, which, talk about, which talks about Dig's rise from the ashes. At one point, it was rumored to be up for sale to Google for $100 million, only to sell a few months back for, wait for it, 500000 <laughs> Is that even but, an amount? That's like uh, yeah, that's an amount. That's an amount. <laughs> Get with it, Matt. Jeez. That's how they say dollar things now. Anyways, but now... Oh, man, that was horrible. But now they're back with a new design prompting Gizmodo to write this story. How Dig was saved in just six weeks. So what I think is interesting here is when MySpace and Dick launched, and I have read this story, um, it was with a focus on functionality and engagement. So like now it seems like they've turned, like they've come back with a focus mm. more on design, being a little bit more pleasing to the user's eye. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Yes and no. I mean, they are becoming much pleasing, much more pleasing to the eye, but it's not just about the UI, which is the user interface, and that is what's pleasing to the eye. Rede- redesign. There's actually much more of an emphasis on the UX and the user experience, which I like to refer to as digital ergonomics, and how users interact with their with the entire website. So here's a little quote that I pulled from the article. For now, Dig is just kind of an experimenting and learning, says Jake Levine, the site's general manager. It's about just kind of building tools alongside this to try to make the site smarter and more efficient. Hmm. So they're being very agile here. You know, they're moving around. They're not, they're not putting anything set in stone. I mean, it just, it's amazing to me how a site could have, I mean, dig was like, they sort of invented the idea of when you 
uh, go to a website, you want to share a story and like they put that little dig button on websites yeah. and now they're yeah. gone. So like it, it, there's one thing that's for sure. Each service finds its purpose. I.e., like could MySpace compete with Facebook who like, mm. despite just landing their billionth user has uh, had a huge stock plummet in the last couple of weeks. Uh, yeah. Dig on the other hand is a little up in the air and the article it mentions it's, it's probably trying to compete with Facebook and Twitter. But to me, it seems like they compete more with like bigger aggregation sites, like, you know, your Buzzfeeds and your Gawkers. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. even like some of the more niche focused stuff like, um, uh, d- like the daily what and upworthy mm. and, and those, mm. those guys. Yeah, it should be interesting. I mean, they, right now their calling card is authentic social curation over more editorial created content. So instead of having someone c- control what's, boosted up in the feed it's more based upon likes and tweets and what people are talking about on the internet um here's a direct quote we get like twenty-five thousand submissions a day from users and what essentially happens is it's not going to bubble up unless it's being talked about across other networks twitter facebook unless we can say this is exactly what people are talking about and we have proof for that we can't actually elevate it on the page if you will so we'll see where that train goes. Hopefully, not in a hole. <laughs> get it? You know, get it? Dig hole? Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. Uh, if Jim's not going to cut <laughs> us off, I will. And <laughs> that joke is a perfect cue. <laughs> so thanks for all of you who uh, wondered where we've been for the last few weeks. A big thanks goes out to our sponsor, Vitro, our exclusive wardrobe provider, Dom, Dick, and Harry. Come back to us soon, Dom. Uh, he's back in London for some reason. Find us online at vitroagency.com, facebook.com slash vitroagency. And you can heckle at Colin Murphy and at Van Hoven on Twitter. And please help us grow so we can keep you keeping you informed by sharing and liking the Nerd Letter or this podcast with anyone you think would enjoy it. Have a great weekend, everyone. <laughs>